Hi, and welcome to the Getting Grounded with Data podcast. I'm Patty Brownsword, co-owner of Grounded with Data, and this is Dr. Jack Slingleff, the other co-owner of, Get- of Grounded with Data. We're going to be doing these podcasts where we get to show you a little bit about how nerdy we are. Well, hello, I'm Jack. Um, as Patty said, we're ner- nerds, but not only are we nerds, we own it. Our purpose here is to share our nerd wis- wisdom with others and... Yeah, we do plan on making this up as we go along, right? <laughs> uh, and we hope that it uh, helps make your days brighter and a little easier. Uh, so first, before we dive in, Jack is going to give you a little bit of an overview of what this episode is going to be about. We're titling it Data Science 100. Welcome to Data Science 100. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what uh, data literacy is and how it's actually in a, journey, a journey. And we have an assessment that we'll show you at the end of this video. But today we're gonna talk a little bit about it. And what we've realized over the course of our business together is that a lot of clients really want help beyond just understanding their immediate data needs. They truly want to understand what data means beyond what the projects we work with our clients on. So it's not necessarily interpreting a single set of data for a client, but actually positioning them for success on how to interpret data elsewhere. So, Here's kind of a scary truth is according to Axoy in 2013, about one half of the organizations actually have a data scientist on staff, which means half of the organizations you will encounter do not, which makes data literacy for those that do not have a data analyst on staff even more challenging. So really, how do we define data literacy? I mean, there's a really complex definition, but let's just say for now, Data literacy means having the skills and the attitude to use data actively and creatively. Typically, you don't need to have an advanced degree in, in mathematics to understand what data is or what data are. Um, mostly, it's just a matter of comparison. You're just going to be looking for a greater or less than relationship and whether, you know, or is there a gap in something. Data literacy is really recognizing what reliable data are through the noise. It's really just, you know, being able to a first and foremost find reliable data or create it, and then transform it into a meaningful story, something that really fits your needs. Uh, no matter how simple or complex the data is, it all starts from understanding what is good data versus what is bad data. What's good information? What's bad information? Yeah. So I. Um... A couple of weeks ago, I presented at um, an event uh, that was uh, a lot of lady business leaders. And the one thing that I learned about them in math is that some of them love it, but most kind of just tolerate it. Uh, they think that in order to do math and do metrics and KPIs and all these things, they need to be math geniuses. And um, some, you know, math is a four-letter word to them sometimes because uh, that's just not kind of how they were brought up. But you know, the sad thing is that you know we found that you know young women have a you know particularly have been shown in studies to receive different levels of teacher engagement in middle school. Um, compared to their male counterparts. And I heard that through stories that they gave about how they were comfortable with math or not comfortable with math. Uh, And many women are socialized into thinking that math is not at all important. And so that was just so incredible to me um, that it it was so clear that there was that distinction 
And so what we are trying to do as leaders in the data space is to make everyone really comfortable with it. But sometimes with that comfortability, we have to be very mindful of the language we use, don't we, Jack? Yes, I use the bad language word. Yes, I, I have to admit, I've been R square ashamed. I hauled it out in a meeting and I really shouldn't have, but I was very excited. I wanted to share, I had a, a great thought on how we could actually solve the client's problem. And yeah, that wasn't the right word. So, but- Your eyes kind of glazed over. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of drool, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, thinking about your point, Patty, about how um, women in particular have been socialized into math, to give you kind of a personal example, my sister, my older sister, she was a teenager at the time and I was maybe 10-ish. And we, we had a debate over the importance of algebra in, in a person's life. And she was adamant and swore up and down that she would never, ever need to use algebra. And I was about 10, so I thought about it. I'm like, okay, I got an idea. I said, well, let's make some cookies together. And I said, we're going to need about three batches for the whole family. And she goes, oh, yeah, so I'll have to triple the, the batch. And I go, you mean 3X? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> well, I educated her on math. She educated me on grammar. And I didn't know those words could be used in general form. I'm just saying. <laughs> so moving on. Yeah. So, you know, with that, Jack and I are very careful about understanding where our clients and friends are in their data literacy journey. Uh, we tend to subscribe to what we call crawl, walk, run, which we've also noticed others are subscribing to as well. Er, but we, we've used it first. We can, we can prove it. But um, we know that working with people who are want to do more with their data, they, they know they need more, but sometimes they need to just have you know, some starter metrics that will help them get comfortable with uh, tracking their data in business, whether it's a service or a product or even some metrics uh, to manage as a team and not like the heavy math R squared regression analysis uh, you know, customer journey, life cycle, all the big stuff. And that's great, but that is much farther into the farther walk and run, or as sometimes we say to our clients, jetpack. Um, but that's crawl. And so, you know, we do have starter metrics that, that, help, that help them out. Yeah. I think the key is to identify really the meaningful need and to measure it in an appropriate way. And mm -hmm. maybe the best uh, starting spot is to be curious and have a question that you'd like to know. So in the crawl stage, mm -hmm. um, a basic question. And then from there, you can build it to become more complex as you're entering the walk stage. For example, if you're a new pet store owner, you might want to know how many customers are there per hour. That's a simple metric to ca capture. You count. Mm -hmm. um, you might want to know sales per hour, which you can, again, look at the right cash register and when the registers were taken over the course of an hour. Um, but when you take it together, you can actually put that into a useful story, which you can get an average sales per hour per customer per hour. Yeah. And so it's a, really a starting point is to figure out what you need in an easy way to measure it. Or where is a secondary, uh, a good secondary source of data? Sure. And another thing that we like to accept, access, assess excuse me, with our clients um, is understanding where they are at interpreting data. Uh, and so, you know, that means, are they able to read graphs, tables, you know, look at the list of data, really understand the meaning. Um, I got my start really with the concept of storytelling with data uh, through my experience at the AAA national office when I was in the business intelligence group. Uh, that's really where I really dove into visualizations and telling stories for how 
um, how like, for example, like toes or repair shops, the whole process all the way through to, you know, finishing the conversions and and everything that happened in between. Uh, And so using that in dashboards and reports and in conversing just through talking to someone, I had to learn kind of how to express all of that. Um, And so we use, I use that information to help translate that data to our clients, depending on where they are in their data literacy journey. And that's an important point is how, how you actually enter that journey. For me, I, I, something I really always done, have done, I mean, even thinking back to the cookie example, but Mm -hmm. anymore, I kind of look at it I like the question is how did the data fit together? And I try to tell the story through models or connecting the pieces together in a way that is easy for most people to understand and to tell a larger story from a couple pieces of information. Uh, for example, we've been working a lot with uh, Gen Z and trying to understand how they're different. And I will say Gen Z, bless their hearts. <laughs> We realized that Gen Z was different in a lot of ways, but at the time when we first started looking into them, um, there wasn't a lot of research to get on the behaviors and attitudes of Gen Z. There were some, but it was disjointed. So what we had to do is take a bunch of different pieces of information to tell their story. And as a result, again, I'm gonna say it, bless their hearts. We were able to figure out how Gen Z was different in the way to communicate. And that helped actually inform uh, substance abuse messaging strategy that once we realize that they are different in the way they communicate and the way they interact with the world around them, we were able to work out a messaging model that I think will actually increase our probability of getting those messages to them. So I think this is an important thing to really pull out and amplify is that data is information. So where I learned a lot with the numbers, as you did as well, data is also how it fits together as a puzzle. So you do think a lot in models, and I think a lot in you know, some metrics and things, but you're getting me to think more in that model puzzle piece, you know, how things kind of flow through together. And I think that's important because it's not just numbers, it's, it's pieces of information sometimes. So it can be qualitative, but how does all of that link and sync? And so that's something that we can do really well. So being grounded in data isn't just necessarily what are your metrics, but also what are all of the insights telling you and how does it all fit together? So I think that's, a, that's pretty cool. So um. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a great start. that's a great point, Patty, that mm-hmm. you made that, you know, you have your KPIs and the, the KPIs are brilliant. We love them. And mm-hmm. I, in my world, we used to call them KRAs, K, key result areas, key result times, key result, blah, 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 on and on. Mm-hmm. But that's a part of the model that can actually be placed. And mm-hmm. so you can take qualitative information and place it with quantitative information, such as the KPIs. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you want, kind of want to think about what you may not know what you don't know, but you mm-hmm. want to be able to tell a story about it. And so yeah. you start thinking about what you might need and how it all will eventually fit together. But it's okay if it, you don't have a very clear picture at the, at the start, just start. As long as it's logical and usable, reliable information, you can tell a story from it. Um, so if we go back to our pet story, our pet store example, you can, if you wanted to find out more about like 
how many people or what type of pets do people have? Well, how would you learn that? Well, you can ask them. That's a very easy way and very reliable way. Um, when they're at the cash register, for example, hey, what kind of pet do you have? And they'll tell you, you write it down or what pets. Or you can look at, for example, the uh, type of purchases people are making at your pet store. Are they, what type of food are they buying? What type of products are they buying? Cats, dogs, birds, iguanas, whatever. But, you know, another way is that some people frequently uh, bring their pets into the pet store. So the point is, is that whatever you're doing, there's all different types of information that you can gather. Mm-hmm. But be curious about it. And if you start with the question, what kind of pets do people have? Well, open your eyes. People are bringing them into your store. Look at yeah. your sales receipts or ask them. Mm-hmm. And then if you, you know, start keeping track of something over here in one, one database and you have your sales database in another place and you have some other information somewhere else and you're using a Google form for something else and you got all these things. You know, sometimes we work with our strategic partners on data services, uh, Parmal and Hatal, they help us stitch all that together to then be able to craft those insights. So thinking, well, you know, I don't have a field in my CRM to be able to track this and I don't have, or, and I'm just keeping somewhere else those, these are things, don't worry about it. You know, if you can collect it, then we'll figure out how to stitch it together. Um, and we'll figure out processes in place to get that done. Another mm-hmm. thing is, you know, if you don't have it, maybe we can help you figure out where to get it. All great points. And, you know, that's a, you bring up a good point about our, our, our partners with Hethel and Paramount. Just that, you know, there are so many leg- legacy systems in different organizations. So my pet, pet store example, well, the pet new pet owner bought it from another pet owner who might have had a data system, who bought it from another pet owner who might have had another data system. And all of those are not necessarily talking because everybody had a new idea. And that's where our partners will, will come in and help us to stitch it together into one continuous story. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing with understanding where our clients are with um, their figuring out how to collect data, you know, it's also that process for collecting the raw data and organizing it so it can be transformed in some way. Um, and so we just wanted to give a couple of examples of, of some things that we've done that help collect data. And so, um, Jack, you had mentioned you wanted to talk quickly about like the difference between collecting qualitative and qualitative and what kind of process that was. Uh, qualitative research is fun. Okay, you can do this in a couple of different ways. Now, what qualitative research is, is really you're casting a narrative. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit earlier about Gen Z and having to take different academic uh, pieces of information and put them together to kind of show a profile. Well, that's a form of qualitative information where we're taking information that's more of a story and putting it together to tell another story. Now, Qualitative can also be quantitative. We're working on a project right now where we're looking for resources. And, but we found qualitatively, we found all kinds of different types of resources. Now we can actually do a count on what we found and actually make qualitative look quantitative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea or the approach you're taking about like per capita, you know, in one area that is like a known well, well, be, uh, well built out system, you know, what is the per capita for those services and resources? So we look somewhere else and say, well, they do have those resources, but per capita they're lacking or they're over indexing. And so you can take that information and actually make decisions quantitatively about that, which is so very interesting. 
Um, exactly. But that's that's why we work well together because this whole project, you're managing all <laughs> of that. Like I, um, the way I was raised with data and research is I, I love it, but it's always been given to me, and then I can make good decisions with it and make stories from it and stitch it all together. But you, you love that hunt and our team loves the hunt. Um, and that it's, it, it's so incredible. I mean, you love the whole process and we've, we've done our Colby assessments to know where we peter out towards the end, but in terms of like how we want to dig for information and learn it, you, you love to hunt. And I would, I would pre much prefer it to be uh, delivered delivered to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you also like um, not just hunting for third party stuff, but that kind of collection things. You have so much experience with surveys and focus groups. Can you talk about that for a second? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, surveys, I've been doing surveys back. You know, gosh, I hate to say it. I'm, I'm what they call chronologically gifted at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've been doing survey research from back in the in the '90s at the University of Acker, and basically, it's a. My mentor actually said it best: research is a game of curiosity. It's meant to be fun. So when you're developing a questionnaire, I tend to overwrite a questionnaire because I'm so curious about many different things, and then we we boil it down. I know, Patty, that gets me into trouble. But been there, done that. Yeah, boys are jumping. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a game of curiosity. And now, throughout my career, I've worked from work with some high profile clients and really got to experiment with a lot of different ways and see it all, how it all comes to life and actually be able to make predictive models from of the research that we did. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of fun. But recently, Patty and I have had the opportunity of doing some more focus groups. Now I've done these things throughout my, my career, but focus groups in this world is a little bit different doing them mm -hmm. virtually. And so there's some lessons learned, but at the end of the day, we're going back into the qualitative realm, realm where we're going to tell a story based on what other people are telling us. And we get to stitch it together. And it's really kind of curious when you're looking at somebody in person. It's a lot easier to actually pick up on micro expressions and whatnot than it is virtually. Mm -hmm. But again, what did Patty call me? Classically trained. So the digital medium is a little bit different. It's a lesson learned, but you can still gather a lot of great information. So it's been... Um, a great opportunity. And I'm, we actually have another uh, focus group scheduled here next month. So I'm yeah. looking forward to doing that. That one's going to be in person. So yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed on that one for sure. <laughs> for in person, we really want it in person. Uh, so the last piece of what we kind of, how we design ourselves for clients when, whether they're in the crawl, walk or run stage is, is how data is presented to them. And is it, you know, how is it visualized and presented as the results based on the analysis and in a targeted manner to a tailored audience. And so sometimes we'll go, um, you know, depending on who's in the room is what Jack is allowed to use in terms of saying regression analysis and structural equation model uh, versus, um, oh, this would be a pretty story, but, uh, <laughs> so, you know, didn't know if you wanted to elaborate on that, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Well, it's the old adage, you know, you have to, um, basically play to the audience, you play to the crowd. And I, what I like to do is structure my reports in a way that it is built for a larger audience, but at the end of the day, you do need a very concise, uh, summary for the executives that are that's portable mm -hmm. so the one story that they can pick up and take to somebody else we like to distill whatever we do 
down to that, but we still have to have kind of the myopic view of the individual pieces within the story. But storytelling really with numbers um, is interesting because you, you get to do it with pictures, but again, it comes down to the basics where you're really, even if you're expressing something as, as a picture, you're really just showing greater than or less than. And it might be a number, but that's pretty easy to interpret for most people. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's, as all things, it's a journey. So start simple and build to your next question. Mm-hmm. Build it so it's easier to understand for the next person in line. Yeah. And going back to the, the Gen Z presentations we did, uh, we were, you know, we worked with uh, our marketing partner, uh, CTS agency, and the general idea is that we were going to give them all of this information so that they could utilize it for messaging strategies uh, for the campaign. So we piecemealed it a little bit in the in for a couple of times to make sure they were kind of picking up what we were throwing down. And then we went, blah, here is all of it. And here is a mega trends and all of the things in pieces. And it is elaborate. And they ate it up because they're highly intelligent. But when they were like, can you present something to the client? But not that. Because <laughs> that's a lot. And we were like, oh, no, yes, we know. Not, not all of it. And so we've made a pared down version um, which that was, you know, wildly received, you know, very well by the client um, themselves. And we presented actually to a couple of their uh, partners and stakeholders too. Uh, but that was something that we were really proud of about making something that was usable for the right audiences. One was to create messaging strategy and the other was just to learn more about Gen Z and their habits and why they are kind of the way they are. Yeah, that was fun though, I will admit. <laughs> Uh, so what are our takeaways, Patty? Um, first and foremost is that really data literacy is a journey. So it's um, crawl, walk, and run. So take what you need as the basics and then build it out, starting with curiosity. And really what data literacy means is being able to tell what is reliable data or know where to get reliable data from and how to be able to tell a story from it. And again, it comes down to the basics. Is this number greater or less than this number? And you can present it visually or, or as just a number. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about where you want to be and then chart a course towards it. Start with something simple like our pet store example, um, mm-hmm. customers per hour. Great. Start measuring that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you think. Uh, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No. <laughs> I'm just so excited uh, to announce that we have our own data journey assessment that I wanted uh, you to remember to mention it. So uh, on, if you're watching the video, the uh, QR code will be popping up somewhere magically, thanks to Dr. Jack and his garage band skills or whatever it's called. <laughs> and um, we'll put it in the show notes of a, a link to it. But if you wanna know, if are you at the crawl? Are you at the walk? Are you at the run stage? Where are you? Then you can go ahead and take that assessment. Um, but then another thing you can do is start thinking and looking at the different software that you're using and map out where you are with using it. Are you using it in first gear? Are you using it in second gear, third gear? Is it, you know, did you buy the Maserati of CRMs and you haven't taken it out of the garage? What are you doing? You know, make sure you're using it for yourself. Uh, so those are some of the other takeaways that I wanted to chime in because I was, got me excited about announcing the assessment. So. Um, never need to apologize about being excited about the <laughs> we're, as we're nerds and we yes. own it. Yes. So we're not exactly sure how long uh, this interview was because we've had a lot of many takes in the beginning and I had to get Jack really comfortable with chatting uh, while the recording button was on. So I feel like I've done a pretty good job with that. Um, so 
Yeah, sweaty palms. So we shall uh, see how long this is and try to adjust accordingly as we go. But we'd love your feedback on if you um, enjoy Data Science 100, because there will be eventually a Data Science 101, 102, 103, 104. Uh, and um, we'll, we'll keep going. So we'd love your feedback. Let us know if there's anything you would like to know about uh, anything that we might know about. Uh, from data science to martial arts. Uh, just uh, hit us up, let us know what, uh, what you'd like to know. So uh, that's all for now. Uh, thank you for getting through this uh, entire episode of uh, Getting Grounded with Data. Thank you and have a great day. <laughs>